And so we want to uh, welcome all of you here this morning at Grace Life Church and welcome our online audience. Glad that you're here with us this morning. We're going to minister the Word of God. It's the Word of God that changes lives. It's not the people. Paul said, he said, we're not sufficient of our own self. He says, really, Paul said, we're not that important. He said, I, you know, he's concerning him and Apollos. He said, one of us preached, the other one preached, one planted, the other watered. But God's the big deal because God's the one that gave the increase. Amen. So, uh, you know, and that's what we do is what we want to mentor. We want to disciple people who will disciple people. That's how we were instructed before Jesus left. You know, when Jesus left, uh, when, you, when you read what was considered called the Great Commission, you would think that's some of his most important words. The last word spoken before Jesus left had to be somewhere in the most important words that he was going to speak. And he told us to go all, into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then he said uh, uh, a number of things there, but he says, make disciples of men. So that's what we want to do. Second Corinthians chapter 4, this is just like this is going to be your appetizer. And they're working on the meal. They'll bring it out in just a moment. Verse 6 says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure. Someone say treasure. treasure. Notice he didn't say we will have it. We might hope. We might have it. We hope to get it. Paul said, no, we have this treasure in an earthen vessel that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of, not of us. Now, you might know something what he's talking about, but yet we don't really have any problems. Uh, you know, when, when, you, when you list, when Paul lists the things that he endured preaching the gospel, we really don't have any problems. But, you know, God's concerned no matter what it is. Verse 8, Paul said, we're troubled on every side. He said, but we're not distressed. He said, we are perplexed, but we're not in despair. He said, we're being persecuted, but not forsaken, or cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, and the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life of also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Verse 12. So he said, so then death worketh in us, but life in you. Verse 13. But having, we having. Someone say, we have. We have. We have the same spirit of faith. Hadn't changed. Nothing's changed. We have the same spirit of faith according as it is written. You know, anytime it says as it's written, that means pay attention. Pay attention. Amen. Paul said, I believed, therefore have I spoken. Amen. We also believe, therefore speak, knowing that he which raised the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, down to the glory of God. Verse 16, he said, for which cause we faint not. Can't faint in here today. No fainters. But though your outward man perish. You know, we all get older. Amen. Right? Things change. 
He said, the older, he said, the older you get, the older man will begin to perish. But he said, but the inward man is renewed day by day. It's sad when you have perishing on the outside and the inside. Because we don't have to have perishing on the inside. Amen. We can be renewed, which can transform over into your body and can begin to renew your body. Amen. How many of y'all believe in renewing your body? Amen. Well, you have, to do that, you have to renew your mind. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Yet the inward man is renewed day by day for our light affliction. Paul calls the affliction he was going through light. Well, this guy was shipwrecked. He was beaten. You know, they, he was running for his life. He was stoned to death. The disciples had to raise him up from the dead. Then he went back in the same city that stoned him. He says, I think we need to go back there and preach. I don't think they got it at the time. I thought I'd have left that town. But anyway, he went back and preached again. He says, this is a light affliction. Now, the word affliction is simply the word pressure. Anybody know what pressure on your life is? Or do I need to explain that to you? <laughs> Paul says, he says, what you're doing down in this life right now, he said, it's just light pressure. It's light affliction. Here we go. Which is but for a moment. You know, if you live to be 120, which is possible, and people have done it before, Moses did it, and there's people on the planet has actually had lived longer than Moses have in modern day times. Not a lot, but a few. You're going to see some things. You're probably going to, if you lived 120, you're probably going to go to a lot of weddings and funerals. Amen. You're going to get asked a lot of questions. Well, here, here, here's the deal. There's going to be a lot of change in that period of time, 100, 120 years. But it's there for you. It belongs to you. Now watch here. He said, this light pressure, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceedingly in the eternal way to glory. How will it do that? By quit looking and look at something else. Why we look not at the things which are seen. Anybody can do that. A sinner can do that. Oh, you don't know the trouble I've seen. Well, I know you fixed to tell me. <laughs> In the form of a testimony for Jesus, right? Oh, brother, the trouble I've seen. Yeah. Sound like the old hee-haw song, you know, gloom, despair, and agony on there. Wasn't for bad luck, we wouldn't have none at all. Y'all remember that old hee-haw? Yeah. Waited every Saturday night to watch it. <laughs> he says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal or temporary. But the things which you are, you cannot see, they are eternal. Whatever you're dealing with right now, by faith, you can change a lot of things. But I want to know if you didn't change it. Even if you didn't change it, this is a temporary situation. I always said, you know, I mean, what, what, what would be 100 years to God? 120 years. You know, to us, that would be a long life. Well, to Methuselah, you'd be a child. There'll be people who will die during the millennium because they really weren't believers. Because they was born, you know, you know, when the church is raptured and during the seven-year tribulation, there'll be people. It'll be a terrible time, but it'll be a, there'll be those who are born, in, you know, into this world during that time. Then they'll go into the millennium. They'll have an opportunity to receive Jesus. And some of them still won't receive him. Which is just amazing. Because here we're all doing it by faith. We said, we said, 
We believe Jesus. We never saw him. We never saw heaven. We never saw the Father. We never saw it. But by faith, we believe that we're received. We become born again. But there'll be a time where Jesus will be on the earth and he'll be ruling and reigning during millennium. And then the people will say, this book right here, the one that's been preached for thousands of years, there he is right there. <laughs> and they'll point to him. And there'll still be some say, I'm not interested. Well, you, you can do nothing for him. That's, that's, that's pretty sad that you'll be able to point to the Messiah. And so it said those who died 100 years old, I'm doing a little eschatology on the side here. Those who preach, uh, those who preach the gospel like this and, and will not receive him and they will die. Uh, the scripture says, you know, even at 100 years, they'll thought to be a child. Well, but the point of that I was trying to make was this. You know, even if you live to be 100 to 120, which is long on this, long in our thinking, I always say it this way, you know, God's got shoelaces and his sneakers older than 120 years old. That's no, that's no big deal. Amen. But what we're going to do is going to have to understand our time and redeem the time. Amen. Amen. And you could, you could spend all your life complaining. Why me? A lot of them, some of the gospel songs, a lot of them were really good and some of them weren't so much. Why me, Lord? What did I ever do? Well, some people rewrote the, you know, the song. They didn't sing the whole lyrics. They changed it to, to deserve you doing this to me. Well, he's not doing anything to you. He's the blesser. Amen. Now, don't get mad at me to say, but saying what I'm about to say. I'm going to explain something. The, re the reason why the word is profane, vulgar, cursive, God, oh wait, damn, is vain is because it's a lie. God is the blesser and God is not the damner. Your thinking's completely wrong when you say God. This is so no one can write me a letter. <laughs> damn. <laughs> now, if you want to do it, just say devil, damn it. <laughs> that, the, that, that's who the that's who the who's one who's bringing all that to you. God's the blesser. All right. <clears throat> okay, they got on me already. Let's go to Revelation chapter three. We're going to go through a, a few uh, verses here this morning, and. Uh, Preach on something I've only ministered on once or twice. It's been four years since I ministered on this. I don't know if this is a one and done service or a, a, a series of a lot of it. Can't really do it justice in one. But in Revelations chapter three, people say, "Oh, I don't. I just I don't read Revelations. It's just it's just too hard to understand. It can't be understood." It's just kind of funny that God would have for someone write a book that you can't understand and call it Revelation. You know, in the very first chapter, he says, blessed is he that readeth. He didn't say blessed is he that reads and understands. He said, you get a blessing, just read this book. That's what Hilton Sutton always said to that, to that defense. He said, who said you had to understand it? You will, but just blessed is he that readeth. Well, you want to get a blessing, just pull out your Bible and read the Revelations. It's only, what, 22 chapters? Amen. Now, Revelation chapter 3, let's, let's, let's read uh, verses 7 and 8. It says, well, let's go to verse 6. 6, 7, and 8. Revelation chapter 3. He that hath an ear, I'm in the King James. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, 
write these things, saith he that is holy, and he that is true, and he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, that no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept thy word, and hast to not denied my name. Now we know that this book was written uh, by the apostle John when he was exiled. You know, they tried to boil him in wax and kill him, and, 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 and they couldn't do it. So they exiled him. They couldn't kill him. So they sent him to the, to the Isle of Patmos just, just to, be the, to, to live out his life there. And I thought, we well, would just go crazy over there all by himself. And so he, he never was by himself. I'm not saying there weren't any other people there. I'm just saying he was, he was just sent there, separated from the rest of the world. Well, Jesus come found him and said, hey, John, I got, I got something I need you to do before you, before you come to be with me. I want you to write a book. Now, it's not, this, is not, this is me being a commentator. I'm later going to put it in, in, in a book of a collection of books. And he says, You'll, Revelation, we'll call it Revelation, and we'll kind of wrap it up right there and put a bow on it of the things that's about to come. Well, so we know that he's exiled on the Isle of Patmos, and then the Lord himself gives the Apostle John the revelation of these things. Now, this is, we understand that the things that are saying is that there are seven churches here that Jesus is talking about. We know it's Jesus because it's in red writing. And it's not only because it's in red writing, but you can read other key scriptures. And there's key, there's key words that you know that Jesus is the only one that is talking. And Jesus is the only one who could be talking according uh, to the context of these verses. So the entire uh, book was written when Jesus appeared to John. Of course, it was a vision. It, the Bible says when he was in the spirit of the Lord's day. And the Lord gave messages to all seven churches that existed in Asia Minor. Now, here, now here's something important to know about these things. You'll see when you, if you just, it's not a lesson for today, but if you read the letter to all the churches, they, there's, there's two parts into, into each church, to each letter. One was, here's the things that Jesus was not in agreement with. He was not happy with. He was not pleased with. But he didn't leave them there. He said, this is what's wrong here in this church. Now, the reason why we would study that is because it still applies to us individually and it applies to us corporately. You say, well, we're under grace. Well, you, you need to hear more than one message on grace. You think, if, you know, I've already been accused of this a few times. Well, you just preach, you know, just do what you want to, run to grace. Well, you never heard. What you did is you took an excerpt of about two seconds out of a message I preached. But if you've been here longer than that, you know that is not true. So let me set the record straight. God is holy. God is not for sin. He's against it. It was sin that got him killed. He died for our sins. It does matter. But grace, but by grace, we are saved through faith. Amen. Amen. And by grace, Jesus paid the whole price for all of us so that we don't have. Look, someone's got to pay the price. Either we're going to go pay the price or he's going to do it. Y'all look like a smart crowd. How many, how many go let Jesus, if he's willing to do it, be, be the price? Because if you don't accept Jesus, you're going to go pay the price yourself for eternity. How many got your ticket punched? Heaven forever. 
So we put our faith in Jesus Christ. That, that's what he did. So he writes to these churches and he tells them, these are the things that I'm not pleased with. These are the things that, that are wrong. But he didn't leave it on up. But then he went back to encourage them, you know, to move forward. The church that seemed like he was the most pleased with was the church of Philadelphia. And that's what we, that's what we read to here to you. And so in Revelations, once again, uh, you don't have to, well, I guess your Bible's open to it. But in verse 7, it says, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, these things saith he that is holy. So now we know Jesus, other than red writing. We know it has to be Jesus. He that is holy and he that is true. Well, that has to be Jesus, right? And this is what Jesus said. He that hath the key of David. We're going to talk about the key of David this morning for a few minutes. He that opened because of the key of David is the one that openeth and no man can shutteth. And because he has the key, he can shut and no man can open it. The key of David. Now, we'll give you some, um, some um, history before that. But it's a, just as a side note, I think it's interesting to see that and this is, if you want to write down, we're not going to read for sake of time. But it's interesting that we, we pay attention when we're reading these letters to the seven churches. It must have been important to the author, Jesus himself, inspired by the Holy Ghost through John. Because in Revelation 2, I'll give you the reference if you want. Revelation 2, verse 7, verse 11, verse 17, and verse 29. And then Revelation 3, verse 6, verse 13, and verse 22. Once again, I'll give you the phrase in just a moment. Revelation 2, verse 7, verse 11, verse 17, and verse 29. Revelation 3, verse 6, verse 13, verse 22. Jesus repeatedly said, He that hath an ear, let him hear. What the Spirit is saying to the churches. Is that important? That that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times in two chapters, Jesus said, pay attention. If you have an ear, listen to what I'm telling you. What I'm saying to the churches. Well, we, we are the church. We're still the church. What made a difference to him then would make a difference to him now. Hmm? You, you understand Revelation would be in the New Testament. And I think Jesus understands the covenant of grace. I think he does. How many think he does? <laughs> So he said, there's some things you need to pay attention to. I'm, I'm, I'm not pleased with some things. But, but he didn't leave it there once again. If you read it in that context, you'll see, you'll begin to say, this is what's not right. Some of them were chastised pretty good. But, but he said, but he wouldn't leave them there. In other words, he gave them courage. He gave them hope. Hmm? He even talks about Jezebel, who, who says she was a prophet. He says, she's no Jezebel. He says, she's no prophet. He says, it's witchcraft what she's doing. It's interesting to note there, so that, but, 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 but the Lord gave her time to repent. He, well, the King James says he gave her space to repent. I don't want to take too many side journeys because my time will go away. That's what happens with all of us. Thank God. <clears throat> I'm glad the Lord's patient, aren't you? Amen. I know he's been patient with me. Amen. He has long patience. Aren't you glad he has long patience? Long patience. <laughs> so you're long and his long way out there. <laughs> You know, sometimes we don't have as much patience. We, we don't think as the Lord has. He's like, I'll give him like two minutes to change. 
If they don't, if the Lord don't change them, I will. Well, it doesn't work that way. Well, the Lord has long patience and mercy. Well, he gave Jezebel, he said, I gave her a long space to repent. He said, but she still despised me and would not change. Therefore, this is what he did. God gives not only people, but he gives the church. Not only the church, but he gives governments and people of government. God has, I believe, given this government a, a time to repent. He waits. He waits because he's a God of mercy. He'd, 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 rather, he'd, rather you go, he'd rather you come to him instead of him have to come to you. But he will. He will deal with it. He will deal with people. Hmm? You say, well, the Lord doesn't judge the New Testament. Well, of course he does. But not the way he does that you understand in the Old Covenant. See, and a lot of things that happen is not judgment. You know, we, we, we had these tsunamis coming through there and we had years ago Katrina and all that. And man, you had preachers all over preaching, you know, the Lord's done this and uh, he's wiped out, you know, so-and-so this. And then you had tornadoes years ago in Tuscaloosa and killed all kind of people and children and kids and said, well, the Lord judged Tuscaloosa. For what, being a college town? There, there's not any more college town? Well, what, what about California, right? What, what about going down there on Bourbon Street in Louisiana? The Lord found someone doing something in Tuscaloosa? No, that's just rubbish. That's just rubbish. The Lord, the, the Lord is good. Amen. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You're looking at the wrong God. Who, I mean, maybe you have the wrong God. If you do, you ought to change God. Amen. Well, but there is something called sowing and reaping. It doesn't mean the Lord's judging you. It just means you're reaping from what, what you're sowing. Amen. It works naturally, right? Well, it works supernaturally. If you sow bad seeds, you're going to have a bad harvest. Just the way that it works. So, see, he gives her a space to repent. Why, why would you give someone a space to repent if it doesn't matter? Because he knows reaping's right around the corner. So I believe our nation has parts of our nation, people, individuals, parts of our government, er, different areas, politicians, all of us. And we ought to, we ought to take that opportunity. We, we ought to seek him on that. We ought to see if, if, if what we're doing and how we're doing is pleasing to him. Huh? You know, the Lord's not here just to help you. We're, we're here to find out what his cause is. Get involved in what he's doing. That's what's already blessed. We're not smart enough to work our own plan. Well, I've come up with some good ideas. And well, you know, the Lord's not going to take notes. He's like, well, what you got? Well, I've been thinking like, you know, like, oh, boy, here we go again. Started in Genesis. They got to thinking. <laughs> no, let's just find out what his, what, he, what his thoughts are, that his thoughts become our thoughts. So he gave these messages to the seven churches that, that existed in Asia Minor. Now, uh, Isaiah 22, 22, you don't have to turn there if you want to, but if, if it's on the screen, I guess we'll have it up there. You can read it off there for sake of time. But I do want to give you the references. These aren't all of them. These are some of them. But Jesus would be the authorized one. Jesus is the one who holds the key of David. Now, I want to lay a foundation so that you know that first before we can talk about what the key of David does and, what, and how it applies to us. We won't get all that today. But I want to set a foundation for it. And Isaiah 22, 22 says, And the key of David, or the house of David, what I lay upon his shoulder, 
So he shall open and none shall shut and he shall shut. So it talks about there's the, the key of the house of David that will lay upon his shoulder. And he shall open and none shall shut and he shall shut. So we see here that Jesus is the authorized one they're talking about. The prophecy in Isaiah is talking about the Messiah to come. When you read the whole chapter in context, he is the one who is the possessor of the key of David. And keys are usually a symbol of power and authority. The key of David. Now, actually, uh, and I'll get off into this just a little bit, but <clears throat> Jesus sits on the throne of David, right? That, and we'll, we'll read that in just a moment, that, that the Lord promised David that of your descendants there shall be no end. F from your lineage, he said, <clears throat> those who come after you, he said, I will always establish your throne. They'll be called the king of David, but the one who will, there'll be one who will come and reign forever. Well, that's Jesus. Amen. You, you, you remember blind Bartimaeus was on the roadside begging? Blind Bartimaeus. You said, what did they need? Well, it was right there in his name. It's a clue. He was what? Blind. Blind. Well, <clears throat> what did he want? He wanted to be able to see, didn't he? Mm -hmm. and when, so when he's coming by, they said, they said, there's Jesus. And blind Bartimaeus, he was, he was hollering out, Jesus. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. It's kind of funny, but Jesus' own ministry team tried to be, get him to be quiet. So this is the Messiah come by. I mean, have some respect. <laughs> He said, he, he is? I mean, that's what I've been hearing. He went, Jesus, real loud. They're trying to shut him up, and Jesus looked at his disciples like, what are you doing? And he came to him. And of course, he, and then Jesus asked him, he said, what do you, what do you want? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> but he wants to know what your request is. He wants you to speak it out. Jesus, thou son of what? David. So Jesus is the son of David, as far as in the lineage is concerned. Well, when, when David became king, different parts of the kingdom, you know, just, just like we have security, you know, and, and different parts of the political, you know, and whether it's the, in Montgomery, you know, at the governor's mansion or at the White House or whatever it is, there's all kind of security. Well, David had people posted, of course, throughout his kingdom. And there would be people stationed in different places for security, guards, whatever. But they, they had a place on their shoulder where there was keys right there, and you could see the keys to that gate. They were the gatekeeper. And they were given instructions who could enter and who could not enter. And so when you saw someone with keys, that, meant, that means they were authorized. They were authorized by David to, that you could gain access or, do, or access would be denied depending on who you were and which state your business. Well, Jesus has the, key, has the keys. It's not just to get into a gate. Hell has gates. Jesus tore them gates up leaving there. <laughs> huh? Yeah. So, he has, so keys are symbolic of authority and their symbolic of power. Now let's go a little bit further. So God made a covenant with David, promised him that a descendant of David would come and sit on the throne of the house of Israel. Now I want you to see this. You've heard me talk about this before, but, not, but maybe not in this context. 
Jeremiah 33, and we're going to read uh, verse 17, 20, and 21. Jeremiah 33, verses 17, 20, and 21. It says, For thus saith the Lord, David shall never want a man to sit upon the throne of the house of Israel. This is God's promise to David that he would establish his, his, his kingdom or his throne forever. Verse 20 says, Thus saith the Lord. Oh, I love this scripture. Because when, when you read the chapter, you know, they know this prophecy. And they're saying, that won't happen. David's descendants will not have this throne. We're going to overthrow that. It will not happen that way. No matter what the prophecy says. Those who oppose David and, and those who would precede him said, we will not, we'll, we'll overthrow this David and we'll overthrow, you know, his children. We're, we're, we will not let this stay. We will not let this stand. This will not be who our kings are of Israel. And God says about that, he answers in verse 20. He says, well, thus said the Lord, if you can break my covenant of the day and my covenant of the night in their season, then Verse 21, then may also my covenant be broken with David, my servant, that he should not have a son to reign upon his throne. So he was saying this. Now, who made day and night? Who made, who made the light and who made the darkness? God did. He said, I'll tell you what, let's just pick that. He said, so, so you're going you're gonna to overthrow what I said about David and his kingdom forever. And they said, that's right. He said, well, I'll tell you what, if you can stop the cycle of day and night, night and day and day and night, he says, then we'll talk about it. <laughs> How many in your lifetime, that's kind of the way it's worked. Day and night, night and day, night and oh, okay, well, that's, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't, they didn't work it out either back then. Isn't the Lord kind of comical? I mean, when you understand what, what the conversation is about, they said, no, no the, the David's, we, we hate David, we hate who's coming after David. It won't be his family. It won't, it won't be those that you put on the throne. We're going to change that. He says, and the Lord, you know, he, he doesn't get mad with him. He, he just plays with me. He says, well, I'll tell you what. He said, you know, I created the, the heavens and the earth and the sky and all that. He says, I made the, the, the light and I made the darkness and I made day and I made night. Change that and then we'll talk about it. He says, ready, go. <laughs> I don't know how long you waited, but it didn't look like it happened. Amen. So here we have scripture of this. Then God was referring to Jesus when he said that. Because Jesus is not born of natural seed, is he? Now we, we, we know Mary's part, born of a virgin, but not of Joseph. He was, he, was, he was the seed that was supernatural, birth of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Jesus was the seed and lineage. Now he was in the seed and lineage of David, but certainly Joseph wasn't his father. I know you know these verses, but we need to read them, put them in context. Luke chapter 1, verses 30 through 33. It says, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Verse 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Verse 32. He shall be great. He shall be great. Mm. And he shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. It's almost like the Lord knows the future. I mean, it, it, 
It's suspect, isn't it? But he might know the future. Verse 33, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever in his kingdom. There shall be what? No end. So David ruled over Israel in the natural um, for I think it's 40 years. But it was prophesied by him that the Christ would come from the house of David. And he would rule, Jesus would rule supernaturally as he still does today. In other, in other words, Christ would sit on the throne of David forever. So the, so the covenant that God made with David in the Old Testament, he fulfilled in Jesus in the New. See, everything that God does, he tells you what he's going to do, the beginning. He tells you the end. This is God's mode of operation. He tells you the beginning, and he tells you the end, how it's going to be. Then he goes back and starts it. God has something he wants done in the earth. You know there's a plan for your life. You're not just here. You say, well... I'm, you know, I'm, I'm Billy Bob and uh, Joanna's son or daughter. Well, you, you might be that in the natural. But before you was that, you was in heaven. Amen. And before you got here, God knew you. Yeah. You say, how did he do that? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, there's some things I just don't know. A lot of things I don't know. That's one of them. Mm. When you get up there, ask him. Now, if someone tells you down here they know, they're either really confused or they're just a flat liar. They, don't, they do not know. How do you know someone before they were? You got to be smart to do that. Well, so here's the deal. So God has a plan, he, and He has a plan. He has a purpose. You're you're made for fellowship with God, but you also have purpose. All of your life, there's there's purpose that has to. You have to achieve the the, the very purpose. When you when you go into heaven, you want to you want Him to say, "Well done," right? Not well, not well. There you are, but no, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We, we want to live out the fullness of our life. We, 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 want, to, we want to make sure that we <clears throat> achieved, you know, the purpose of why we're here. Because we all have that purpose. It's very important that we fulfill the purpose for which we're here. Know the will of God. Find the will of God. Find the purpose. Live out the purpose. Fulfill the purpose. That's the plan of God. It's not just for David. It's for each of us. Amen. And your plan is just as important as someone else. Mine's not any more important because I'm standing behind some plexiglass. What does that got to do with it? The one who's just as faithful to teach, the one who's just as faithful to pick up the, the people who go by the church and throw the, the garbage out on, the, the, just as faithful to do that, gets the same reward. As the one who goes into the nursery and changes the dirty diaper with the right heart, that is the right motive. Now, if you're in there complaining the whole time, there's no reward in it. And if you go in there thinking and saying, this is what I've done. I want everybody to know it. Then that's your reward there. Hmm. But I'm talking about the Lord knows our heart. He knows exactly our heart. He knows the reason why we do what we do. And he'll bring that out one day in the open. And you'll be rewarded openly. Amen. You know, before we knew the scripture, right? We thought when we got to heaven, <clears throat> he would reveal openly all of our past mistakes. Well, that's, your mistakes have already been dealt with. Your sins have already been dealt with. You've been washed, cleansed. You're holy and you're righteous before God. Today, 
yesterday and tomorrow, you're already cleansed. So when you go to heaven during that seven years, man, what a marriage supper of the Lamb. Man, can't you, oh, can you imagine what the table is going to look like to hold the body of Christ? You know, you go to a nice three, four, five star restaurant and they put all the, uh, the amenities there and they put it, I mean, that, you know, you, 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 this won't be, this will be gold, right? Gold, silver, everything. You're like, man, here's four forks. Which one do I use? Well, wait till you get to heaven. They got about 12 of them. So we'll have a, have a little class in culture. Amen. But while you're there for seven years, you're also, you know, taken to the great white throne. And there you're not judged for sin, but you're rewarded forever for the good things you've done. Different than here, sometimes people receive awards or they see in accommodations for something that they've done once. The way the Lord does it is he will reward you eternally for that which you've done. Over and over and over and over again, you will receive rewards from the Lord for the one thing that you've done, maybe one time. Seven years. While the people are down here for seven years who didn't come with us. If that's you, you ought to come. You ought to receive Jesus today. Make him the Lord of your life. Amen. You say, why do you say that? I think everyone here is saved. I think they are too. But people listen and they watch. Amen. Don't wait. So, so this was later confirmed in the New Testament when Zechariah, he, he prophesied about the Savior who would come from the house of David. In Luke 1, verse 68 and 69. Luke 1, 68 and 69. It says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. Verse 69, and he hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of the servant David. Can you see how the Lord established these things? He hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of the servant David. So the Lord declares what he does and what he will do before he does it. When he calls you and plans your life once again, he's determined your life and your purpose. And when he's fulfilled every aspect of your life, every day of your life, he goes back and starts you. So whatever the plan and purpose of your life is, you might be in phase three of, 20, of 21 things you're going to need to do this year. But he's already been in, in number 14, number 17. He's already been in next year and five years now we're here. He knows what the need is today. He knows what the need is tomorrow. He knows what it's going to look like Thursday, 14 years from now. And he's already been in that Thursday, 14 years from now, and he's already funded you for that day. He's already fulfilled his good word to you. He's already made the way before you knew you needed a way. That's good preaching, whether y'all know that or not. If that doesn't give hope, I don't know what y'all doing. Y'all are smoking dope or something. I don't know what you mean. That, that, that ought to be hope. That the Lord visited your, your tomorrow before you ever got there and made provision for you all along the way. Amen. So you ought to get up not thinking, you know, Lord, I need help. You need to get thinking, Lord, you've already helped me. Show me where it's at. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Good preaching. Good preaching. Hallelujah. I think I'm going to get the tape myself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the key of David implies royal power and authority over his kingdom. 
the Davidic kingdom, David's kingdom. So in the New Testament, the power, but in the New Testament, the power is placed in and lodged in, you could say, in Christ. Now think about this way. On the day of Pentecost, remember that? Peter stood up and spoke to 120 believers that were gathered there in the upper room. And Peter confirmed it was Jesus Christ who came to sit on the throne of David. I, I, I'm trying to make a point here. I'm trying to like, say the Lord knows what he's talking about. I'm trying to tell you that he prophesied these things before they ever would be. Amen. So Peter, after the death of Jesus, now they're filled with the Holy Ghost in the upper room. Peter stands up. You know, Peter, the one who denied him three times. He's now come back and he's repented and got filled with the Holy Ghost. And he, now he's instructing people. It, we, we got a new Peter now. You know, he was always quick to say, but now he's quick to say with power and authority. He received the Holy Ghost and he becomes someone brand new. Holy Ghost came upon him like cloven tongues of fire. And they spoke, with, they spoke in a dialect that no one ever, that no one, that they didn't know. But there was people there that was for the festival who knew all these different tongues and said, how, how, how could he be speaking my language? He's not of us. Amen. Well, that still happens today. I was in a service many years ago from someone. I was in a service and someone was in that service and they were a missionary. I forgot to, to where they were, but they've been there many years. They were so discouraged. They came there. They'd only had one convert in 15 years. They're out every day beating the bushes, out every day handing out tracts, out every day preaching the gospel. One convert in 15 years. Felt like an absolute loser. Came back, came to the States. And, and was just ready to quit and just decide I'm not going back. A friend invited him to a service. And in that service, there was the guest minister, a guest evangelist, and he was preaching. And he stopped preaching, and all of a sudden he began to speak in other tongues. He spoke the tongue, and everyone waited on the, on the interpretation. And the guy stood up in the back, and he says, that doesn't need interpreting. He says, I know what you just said. He said, you spoke to me in the language of the people where I've been for 15 years. And the Lord told me word from word, from word what I've been doing for 15 years, but not be weary and well doing it. But if I'll go back, he says, I, I, I'm on the very preface of, of, a, of a complete landslide of souls. In, in the language of the people he's been with for 15 years. Huh? The Lord knows how to communicate. <laughs> he knows how to get a message over to you. Yes. He has the key of David. He is the key of David. Amen. And he likes to give keys out. Mm. So Peter stood up and said this to just to nail this. This is Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And we're going to read, uh, start with verse 29. It says, Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David. Isn't this interesting? That he is both dead and buried. And his sepulcher is with us to this day. But verse 30, therefore being a prophet and knowing that God has swore with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would rise, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Can you see in the old covenant, God said, this is what's going to happen. Can you see when it happened, and now you're seeing David go back and prophesying and telling you what did happen. This is after they received the Holy Ghost. Verse 34, I'm going to skip to verse 34. 
For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my, to my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy enemies a footstool. Verse 36. Therefore let all the house of Israel know surely that God hath made the same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now in different, in different uh, um, commentaries in ancient, in ancient uh, countries, keys are always the symbol of power and authority, always. And the scriptures predict that there would be someone one day, a Messiah, that would one come and all the government and all the authority would be under the Messiah's dominion. Well, how would we know that? Do we have any scripture reference for that? Several, but I'll just give you one. In Isaiah 9, 6, this is, you know, way, way before Jesus was ever born in Bethlehem. It says, And for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government, the government. Funny word, isn't it? Government. The God chose government. God has a kingdom, but he's established governments on the earth. It was his plan to establish governments on the earth. So go back and read it. Verse 6, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Well, I just tell you, if so-and-so wins or loses this election, this country's gone. Really? Gone. It's gone? How, how, could, how could someone take a nation away from the Lord? I mean, if you, if you believe what you read, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Remember, he gives people space to repent. <laughs> but but this, ain't, this ain't their deal. This is his world. This is his government. The earth, the earth is the Lord's, in case someone forgot. He's just letting us enjoy it, but he lets you know, uh, hey, earth is mine. Earth is mine. Right? And it's just a small planet. It's just one. We're just in one galaxy of billions. <laughs> the Lord's not weak. The Lord's not confused. He's made billions and billions of galaxies, and they're still discovering galaxies. If you were to put the Earth, I don't know how this would be true or not. I read this years ago. It said like if the Earth, if you just took it as a planet in comparison to other planets and out of billions of galaxies, the Earth would be like the size. He said like if you took a, a pencil. A number two pencil, and he says the, 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 it would be like the size of the eraser. Well, there's there's over seven billion people on the planet on that eraser, right? And he said, well, uh, is there life on other planets? I don't know, but if they if there is, they, they need the scriptures. They need this word. They need Jesus, right? Brother Copeland always said, I believe there is. And if they do, they need a believer's convention. We need to find someone to get there. <laughs> well, anyway. Well, he said the government's on his shoulder. We doing okay? Are you all right, really? And his name shall be called Wonderful. You ever get up in the morning and say, Lord, I just want to call you by some of your names. You're wonderful. I come into your gates with what? Complaining. No, with what? 
thanksgiving and then I come into your courts with, with praise. He said his name is wonderful. Amen. Amen. I don't know how many people call us wonderful during the day. We may not get called that a whole lot. I was talking to my brother this week and we talk about every week or 10 days. <clears throat> He's good at calling. And he knows the best time he can call. Neither I can pick up or I can't. He's walk, he walks his dogs four times a day. That wasn't his gene pool. wasn't in mine. <laughs> he said, you know, I, <clears throat> I don't dislike these animals. I love them. I said, yeah, I know you do. I said, your wife tell me if they ever died, I'd probably have to do two funerals, theirs and yours, same time. He said, well, they're just, they're kinder than most humans. They're loving, they're forgiving. They just can't wait to see you and be with you. He said, you know, and, and, and I love humanity, he says, but no one, family or otherwise, has ever, when I came home from work, met me with a tongue wagging and, and, and wagging their tail when, when you drove up. Now, you're home, baby. <laughs> well, I don't, I'm not saying we should do that, but just think about it. <laughs> Lick you all over the face. Don't even ask you where your face has been. <laughs> Where's that face been? Oh, okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So I was going to heaven. Man, I'm not preaching on that at all. Of course they are. Amen. I want to sleep inside tonight. They, they're in heaven. Hallelujah. I want, I want to eat good. They're all up there. So if you're believing for them. Amen. Keep the good groceries coming. Hallelujah. <clears throat> I'll pick other battles. Hallelujah. But it's like that one I told y'all years ago. We was trying to, Lexi was just so big. We took her to church on Sunday and someone had just ran over a cat and it was, it was just a little ways from the house. We was headed here to church and, and she was all upset and she says, Papa, she said, she said, does animals go to heaven? I says, well, well, you know, even if I didn't believe it, I was going to say yes. If I didn't believe it, I was going to lie. <laughs> and I said, well, of course. She says, oh, that's good. And then church is over and on the way back, we came back and there was that dead cat in the road. She says, Papa, I thought you said all cats and all animals went to heaven. I said, they do. She says, that one didn't. <laughs> He's still right there. <laughs> I said, well, he may not have been a Jesus cat. <laughs> he might have been a wild cat. <laughs> so the key of David symbolizes Jesus' authority because he's wonderful, counselor. He's the mighty God, the everlasting father. He's the prince of what? Peace. Wow. Counselor. And you can get good counsel from the head of the church. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15, 24. 1 Corinthians 5, chapter 15, verse 24 says, Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall put down all rule. The Lord's going to put down all rule one day. All those who oppose him. Amen. He said, I'm going to put them all down. Glory to God. It's going to be fun living there here during the millennium. <clears throat> Satan's going to be locked up for a thousand years. No, de no demons on the earth at all. 
So you've never lived in this planet without evil. Never. Not, not one day. When we, when, you, when we came into this life, we were, we were spiritually dead, had to be born again. At a certain age, we come to what you might call the age of accountability. But you've never lived on this planet, you know, without the influence of demons and devils. For a thousand years, and of course all of heaven, but a thousand years, we're going to come back and we're going to rule and reign with Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean there won't be evil on the earth. Because there's, once again, people born again, you know, during the seven years while we're gone. And they're going to need the gospel. <clears throat> they may have some crazy days. That's when I believe personal, just personal belief. I always try to interject that. You'll see a lot of translation during those days. You know, Philip was translated. In other words, someone might be in trouble. You, didn't, you might be just translated, you know, over to, you're right here, perhaps. And then you're just translated over to Vermont somewhere. You're, you're in Atlanta somewhere. <clears throat> and you're there and someone's about to make a crazy move. Or they just fell off a ladder. And then you just go on over and you just raise them up and get them healed right away. Amen. Amen. Well, you'll be as he is. You, you won't be walking around in that, in that suit. How many of you are ready to trade it in one day? How, how many are ready for an upgrade? Amen. Ultimate upgrade. I mean, the Lord did a, a, a mighty work to have a body like this. He said, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You, you couldn't put a price tag on, on, on what a human body's worth. Amen. They've tried to do it. it I mean, it, it's way beyond billions and trillions. <clears throat> but when you get a glorified body, Amen. same body that Jesus has when he was raised from the dead and he walked through the wall, remember, they were in there. He said, y'all believe now? Right? That's, that's, what, that's what you get in heaven. You get to walk through walls. Aggravate people who don't want you to come over to their mansion. You just, they're, they're like, hey. <laughs> I'm back. Just walk through the walls. Amen. I'm going to be real, really good in heaven. I'm going to let my wife come stay with me if she wants to. <laughs> Isn't that nice of me? Yeah, I'm going to let her come stay with me. She wants to. I mean, not in the same house, but I mean, I'll, I'll have some property right there. Amen. Because she'll have all the animals. You know. Praise the Lord. I don't want liquors forever in my face. I just like, unless they fix the breath. If they can fix the dog breath in heaven, it, it might be all right. I know, I know there's no germs, but I do not like animals licking my face. Uh, in your in your mouth and, and like really it's just like really now I've seen what you've been licking <laughs> and I don't think there's any time last between where you was and you come just like me so if they can't fix that in heaven they're gonna stay at her house praise the Lord <clears throat> now that's no scripture for that I want to make, put that in there that said that's opinion of the pastor <sighs> Do I? There goes my groceries. Well, it, it'll be assimilated something to another. In other words, e even fishing. You, you're not going to kill fish, but there'll be some type of assimilated that, that you get to enjoy fishing. You'll be all right there, won't you be? I mean, if it feels the same, looks the same. I mean, but the line is going to lay down with the lamb. Everything's going to be made right. Everything will go back to as it were. Everything that's out of order will be in order. 
the Alabama fan will lay down with the Auburn fan. The Auburn fan will know this was, we were wrong. It's like, and they'll say, roll tide. I mean, the clue was your team is in Alabama. You should have known out of that. You know, it's like, I mean, Auburn where? Alabama. There you go. I mean, it's, it was right there. You don't want to be all, all burn. Who wants to go and all burn forever? I'm in trouble now. Did we get the offering on the front end? Maybe. Hope there's no canceled checks tomorrow. <laughs> Whew. Remember now, Jesus is the, he opens the door that no man can shut. And when he shuts, there's one, no, no man can open it. There's, there's things that he does for you that, that looks impossible. It says can't be done. Can't be done. We got rules. We got regulations. Can't be done. All things are possible with God. Amen. Jesus has opened doors for you in your lifetime that no one has figured out to this day how it happened. How many know that probably you shouldn't be here? You should have been gone some other way a long time ago. Accident or whatever, just whatever. Wrong place, wrong time. But there you are. Doctors are still going like this. Well, you've only got like, you know, maybe another year or two and 40 years went by. Well, that's a practitioner. That's, that's you know, he's, he's just looking and, and we're not mad at them. We're just thank God for them. But they're just, you know, they're just looking at WebMD. I've been to a few doctors in the past and, and, and I wanted to look on the phone. I, I was sure I saw WebMD. In other words, I thought I could have done that at the house. <laughs> Amen. Well, Jesus is not a practitioner. He's the, he is the healer. Amen. He can heal anything and everything, and he does. And he wants to, and already paid the price for it. Matter of fact, he has something, by, but, but, he has something far better than healing. That's called health. That's called divine health. It's good that we have healing, but healing is something that you need because you're sick. But divine health is something that you don't need. You, you, you just walk into a place of health, divine health. Amen. Boy, good preaching again, because I know y'all mentioned it right there. Now, so he opens the door and he says, no man can shut this door. There's things that he's doing in our life and we'll do in your life. The people who oppose it, they won't be able to stop it. They can't stop it. I said they can't stop it. He opens the door to blessings and increase and provision and protection. And can't no man stop it. Your worst enemy, if you have an enemy, I can't imagine you have an enemy who opposes you cannot stop the flow of the blessing of God because the door is open. You live under an open heaven. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. So the key of David means Jesus has the authority and no one can stop him. He said, the government's mine. Amen. Huh. Revelation 1.18 says, I am he that liveth and was dead. You ever had anyone tell you that? <laughs> <laughs> I was dead the other day, three days ago, and I'm alive. And behold, I'm alive for when? Forevermore, and I have the keys, 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 keys of hell and death. He said, I took the keys of hell away from Satan and death. Now, let me speed up a little bit. Jesus called, him, Jesus called himself a door, didn't he? In John 10, 9, he said, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and he shall go in and find pasture. 
y'all can remember from about a year ago when Kim Clatt was here, he was talking about some of these verses and going and find pasture. What's pasture? It's not, it's not just food. Pasture's everything. Pasture's protection. Pasture's, of course, food. It's the complete, it's the complete package of anything that you would ever need. When you have pasture, you have fullness. So Jesus said, I'm, I'm the door. I mean, I'm the only way to the Father. If you're going to go to the Father, I'm the door that you come through. He's the one that opens the door and shuts the door. He said, but if you, if you, if you ask the Father in my name anything, he said, I will give it to you. But here he says, they'll come and be saved and they'll go and they'll find pasture. They'll find everything that they need. You'll find it through Jesus. Everything that you'll ever need, you'll find it in Jesus through Jesus. So we see here that he is the door to salvation to all who will believe and receive him. Acts 4, 12 said, neither is there any salvation in any other name other than the name of Jesus, whereby we must be saved. Everyone is invited to the door of salvation. Amen. Jesus is not shutting the door to the blessings and to the increase of the people. Remember this, when Jesus opens the door for you, no man can shut it. I want you to say it, when Jesus opens the door, for me, no man can shut it. I'm telling you, your mother can't do it, your father can't do it, your pastor can't do it, the government can't do it, the devils in the hell can't do it because the door's open. And no man can shut it. You're the only one who can shut the door. Because death and life is in the power of your tongue and you have the ability to choose life or death. You're the one who can do it. Because there's a Godward side and there was a manward side and we have to cooperate with God. So you're the only one who can open and shut this door. Ephesians 1, 3, he said he's blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. He is the door to salvation. He is the door to divine health. He is the door to healing. He is the door to financial blessing. So it's our response to him, to his goodness and grace that we access by faith through his grace. We, we, we access. I like that word. We, we access. We access through the door. There's a factual and fervent door that's open to you. And what we need to do today is just walk in. We need to walk in to, through the door of the throne of grace to receive grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. Amen. That's a wonderful invitation that you can come to the throne of grace to find grace and mercy to help you in your time of need. Why did he say that? Well, it, it said Jesus, who was deity, he became a man. And he well understands that we, that we have this thing called a, a flesh, a body. It's sort of a weak vessel in one sense. No one in heaven is being opposed by demons. We are. You're, you're born into a world of, 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 of satanic conflict. Amen. Now, that, 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 that's not our message. Our message has to be Jesus. Not, not demons all the time or what, or what the devil's trying to do to me. Don't, don't, don't mention that unless you have to. Brother Hagin always said, wait, wait till you get the testimony and, and then tell them about it. Because if you tell some people what you're going through, some of them won't tell you, but they're just glad that you got it, not them. <laughs> and I don't know what they're going to agree with. He said, Brother Hagin, you say this, he said it wouldn't be wrong. He said, but I never prayed about money because I just found it in the word. You know what? He said, it wouldn't be wrong. But I found out that Jesus already supplied that. He says, so I just used my faith to do that. He said, but I've never found no one as interested in my finances as I was. 
Well, that'd probably be true to some degree, All right? So the door's open. Y'all say that. Let's say the door's open. Door's Tell your neighbor, walk on through. So to enter the open doors, Jesus did his part. It's called the complete work. I don't know about you, but I like this open door policy. Amen. I do. And I don't know why, but it makes me think about a hymn. I wish I could sing. I'd sing it. Those of y'all who can't sing, you should. It's called Come and Dine. How many of y'all grew up with that song, Come and Dine? Has, here's the whole song. It says, Jesus has a table spread. Where the saints and God are fed. He invites his chosen people. Do what? Come and dine. With his manna he doth feed and supplies our every need. Oh, tis sweet to soak with Jesus all the time. Then the chorus goes what? Come in. Y'all not going to help me. I can tell you right there. Come and dine. The what? The master's calling. Come and dine. You may feast at Jesus' table. All the time. He who fed the multitude, he turned the water into wine. To the hunger, he calleth now, come and dine. Here's the next verse, if you, you, you may not know it. The disciples came to the land, thus obeying Christ's command. For the master called unto them, hey, come and dine. Where they found their heart's desire, bread and fish upon the fire. Thus he satisfies the hungry every time. Soon the lamb will take his bride. Ooh, about to take place. Soon the lamb will take his bride to be ever at his side. All the host of heaven will be assembled be. Oh, twill be the glorious sight. All the saints in glorious white. And with Jesus, they will feast eternally. And it says, come and dine. The master's calling, come and dine. You may feast at Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitude, he turned the water into wine. He talks to you and says to you, come on, come today with me and come and dine. Jesus is the open door. Jesus is the key of David. Those keys represent authority and they represent power. And more than that, we may talk some more about this, but I'm just telling you this today. I'm telling you the government is upon him. This government the government, the kingdom of God. Jesus is the central figure of this book. And the old covenant, he was prophesied in every book. And the old covenant, he was concealed. In the New Testament, he's revealed. Jesus has been revealed to us forever and ever again. The day's coming when the master's going to call and the father's going to look to the son. He's going to say, go get my children. And at that moment, whoo, what a glorious time that will be. We're going to leave this earth <laughs> I'm telling you what, I don't know what CNN is going to do for their nightly news or all the rest of them, how they're going to try to, uh, Ricky Ricardo say, splained it away. <laughs> but they'll have their hands full because untold millions and millions of people will be leaving this planet to be with our Lord and be our Savior. The trump of God shall sound and in just a moment we'll all be with him and he'll, we'll meet him in the air. And man, what a glorious time will be. Your loved ones and those who have gone before, the saints who are waiting around the throne will be there to welcome you with open arms. And you're going to get to meet Jesus, the Lord and Savior of your life, the one who died for you. And your moment in time will come just to him and he'll be just you and just him. And you'll look into his eyes and he'll look into you, your eyes. Quoting Brother Hagin, he says, I've had, he had seven or eight visitations with Jesus. Some sort of, I don't believe that. Well, then I'm not talking to you right now. 
And they asked him because he said, everyone wants to know when you tell them about the visions, they, they want to jump to what does he look like? He said, that doesn't really matter. But they, they, he said, I can tell you, you won't leave me alone. He said, well, you know, from what part of the country he is. So his skin is somewhat olive color. He said, he's probably 5'10 or 5'11. I'm 5'11. He said, he, he, he weighs about 180 pounds. I used to lay hell on it. Anyway, and so uh, <laughs> praise the Lord. He says, his eyes were blue. And they said, what is the most distinguishing characteristic about Jesus, Brother Hagin? He said, oh, that's easy. He said, he said, his eyes. It's his eyes. They said, why? He said, when he looks through you, the day that you see him face to face, when he looks through you, he said, they're like living wells of love that looks through you. And his eyes can look all the way into you and through you. And all you feel is, is just absolute love that you don't know anything about. And it just permeates every bit of you. Kind of hard to feel sad for someone who's left and they're in heaven. That's for us. We ought to be happy for them. Amen. Praise the Lord. But you know, we don't have to wait till we get to heaven to come and dine. We can feast at Jesus' table anytime. Right? That's right. He said the last enemy will be put underfoot. That's death. He's going to put it underfoot forever and death will be no more. Praise God. We're going to go there one day. But until then, we're going to occupy. And we're going to be like Paul when we first started this morning. Paul said, we're bearing about some things in our body. You may be too. He said, we're bearing about some things in life. He says, he said, they knocked me down, but they didn't knock me out. <laughs> he said, they're telling stories about me. Don't believe all the, all, the, all the things that you're hearing. He said, I've been persecuted and cast down. He said, but oh, he said, oh, this is just light affliction. It's, it's just light pressure. He said, ah, don't worry about that. He said, compared to the weight of glory that's ahead of me, he says, it's a great day. Amen. It's a great day. Amen. Amen. So I call you blessed in the name of Jesus. If you don't know Jesus Christ as the Lord and your Savior, if you're watching or listening today, or even if you're here and you have not received Jesus Christ as the Lord and your Savior, today is the day of salvation. And all you need to do is simply from your heart, believe this and ask the Lord to come into your life, forgive you of the sin. Not sins, plural, but sin. The only sin that anyone will ever die, ever go to hell for, is not sins in the plural, but the sin is not believing on Jesus. Amen. But when you believe on Jesus and you ask him to come into your life, into your heart, be the Lord of your life, man, your name's written in the Lamb's book of life, blotted in ink with his blood, forever there to be with him. Amen. Amen. And let him come and take your life shape you and mold you and be, and be the you that he created you to be. Amen. Well, I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. With his manna he feed, he supplieth every need. Tis so sweet to suffer.